Welcome to Inside the Castle, the podcast that goes behind castle doors to have real conversations with real people about solving the nation's toughest challenges. I'm one of your hosts today, Angie Fryermuth. And I'm Aaron Schneider. Today we have Al Wong, USACE National Dive Safety Program Manager, and Bill Ford, Mississippi Valley Regional Dive Coordinators. Thanks for joining us here today. Good, thank you. The Corps has several unique careers, and the Inside the Castle team really wants to shine a spotlight on some of these careers, uh, and we call this a day in the life of. So today we're getting to know more about what it's like to be a member of the Corps' dive team. Uh, but before we go any further, let's get to know our guests. Al, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and you, how you started your career with the Corps? Thank you very much. So <clears throat> I joined uh, USACE in 2015. Before then, I had had 28 years in the Navy as a uh, industrial hygiene officer. So my experience mainly with the dive teams with the Navy has been on board USS Simon Lake, which is a submarine tender. And with that, one of the things I did is to support uh, our divers on, on board the ship there as they did ship's husbandry and inspections and things like that. That and I just moved on to Naval Sea Systems Command and worked on all the different projects uh, associated with them. And then eventually I retired from the Navy and then became employed with the uh, Army Corps of Engineers. Great, hey, Bill. How about you? Great. Glad to be with you guys. Well, I got, had a, I've got a long career with the Corps of 40 years plus now. During that time, I worked uh, 16 years as a lock and dam operator at, uh, on the lock and dams on the Mississippi River. And I became uh, moved up to the lock master for 20 years. During that time, for the last oh, a little over 25 years, I've been a uh, Corps diver as a collateral duty position. And then uh, over the last 13 years, I've been the DDC for MBR. I was also the DDC for uh, Detroit District LRE for four years as a mentoring DDC, and uh, just recently taken over doing MVD work as a DDC for, for Mississippi Valley Division. Um, I also work on the High Hazard Work Group as a Dive Safety Council as one of the teammates on that uh, program. And I also help instruct and uh, ULC proponent for the dive schools and admin schools, dive admin schools, and uh, just recently uh, finished write, rewriting as a one team member on the EM uh, 35-1 section 30 for dive safety, and then uh, the ER rewrite for uh, dive safety. Great. Between both of you, you have a wealth of experience, and we are so glad that we have people like you within the core. Like both of you, I too have been in the Corps a while and I can remember being a student aide and was shocked to learn that the Corps had a dive team uh, that blew my mind that we even had that capability. And so I'm sure we have some listeners that didn't know that the Corps had a dive team either. And so can you talk a little bit about the dive team and what they do um, and maybe what a typical dive look, looks like? Um, Bill, we'll, we'll go to you first. Sure. Uh, well. Mainly the dive teams for the for the locks or the or, the, or for the core they, they primarily work on uh, locks and dams doing maintenance work inspection uh, repair work um, we also do uh, bridge inspections pier inspections we work on powerhouse dams and do a lot of uh, uh, repairs to boats and inspections on boats some of our dive teams uh, I'm talking in general around the core basically I'm not just talking to MBR so they get to like get involved with all of them as well. Uh, do a lot muscle surveys within those districts. Some districts are just contract only, so they don't have dive teams. So we're 
branch out to other districts to do regional work as well. And we also uh, provide oversight and inspections contract dives because we have a lot of contract work going out there that requires diving that uh, is not done by core divers. I agree with Bill Ford. He summarized things really, really well. Let me just add a couple of things is that most of our work is centered around our civil works jobs, but then along with that, we also provide support to installations, Army Installations Command uh, through various uh, different uh, dive projects and things like that. It's also good to note that a lot of our divers, our in-house dive teams, are also ones that also, if you will, uh, run contract dives. So if you will, they're the ones who oversee their contractors who will work on dive projects as well. So they, they're really, really busy, have a lot of different things that run around, both at, at our civil works projects at locks, dams, and things like that. Uh, occasionally, some of them will even do work with our, our husbandry, uh, inspection of vessels, as, as well as, uh, again, our installations with the Army. Thanks, Al. I was wondering, how did the dive program start? So that started a long, long time ago, uh, of which, uh, when we had started uh, with locks and dams, what we'll find is that we started off with a dive program and it's and understanding that diving back then was in its infancy. So some of the things that, that were performed back then we would probably not be doing right now is particularly the equipment. Uh, but since then it's evolved uh, tremendously. And with that, the technology and the, and the skills that are required for that have also uh, increased dramatically. So when you have someone who's as high qualified as Bill Ford uh, in diving, that's, that, that's a tremendous asset to both USACE and our customers. So earlier you talked briefly about the work that you're doing for the different missions. So, um, you know, we were wondering if you support multiple missions within the Corps, and it sounds like you do. Um, and then to add to that, is there uh, international work that you do? Right, so if you will, uh, USACE actually has a footprint not only within the U.S., but throughout the world. Uh, we've had people who've, who've uh, overseen uh, contract dives in Iraq, uh, Afghanistan, in Japan, and in other places in the world. Uh, again, if there's a need for, for uh, diving and you need that expertise, our folks, can, our, our folks are able to deliver the product. Great. So I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the actual dives and, you know, kind of wondering, like, you know, what kind of, you know, specific equipment or training do you guys need to, to keep the divers safe? I mean, it seems like the, the types of dives you're doing aren't your normal, like, Caribbean vacation and looking for fish, but you're diving in some pretty intense environments. Can you just talk a little bit about, you know, what you guys use on a day-to-day -day basis to, to keep yourself safe and to get the job done? Sure, I can, I can talk about that a little bit. Well, typically for us, diving on the Mississippi or the Illinois River and stuff like that, you're dealing with the black water or dark water, what they call it, to where you, for the most part you cannot see your hand in front of your face. So everything is done by, by feel and, and basic knowledge of the stuff you're working on. Obviously, if you're doing that, you probably don't want to be in scuba gear where a mask could come off your face or a regulator could come out of your mouth. So it's better to, to, to have a equipment that you've got to fasten to your head that, that's going to be hard to get off, uh, if impossible. Uh, so so we, we rely on surface-supplied air, where the air is pumped down to the diver from the surface. 
Uh, that diver has uh, full communications with the top side, and he also has full communication with the other diver. If we're working two divers or if he can, we got a standby on top, they can all hear each other talk at the same time, so we have round-robin communication. We also have uh, on that diver a, a tank of emergency air. In case he were to lose air off the top side, he could, he could switch to a bailout and resume breathing and get to the surface. So basically what we teach our divers in, in, in school is, if you're wearing a hard hat, for one thing, if something were to, if you were to lose air, never take your hard hat off. We say we always tell them to drown dry. That way, we can revive them when they come to the surface. Reviving a, a, a diver that's lost air is a lot easier than reviving a diver that, that's, that's drowned. With that type of helmet, it's really hard to get off your head. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's really hard to get off your head. So, surface supplied air is the safest mode for us to dive in. Uh, at that time, and we now we dive in various uh, types of suits. We have uh, hot water suits that we use in the winter time because up here in the Midwest, the majority of our diving is really done in the winter time through the ice. Um, so to dive in 33 degree water without a hot water suit really limits your time in water. So with a with a dry suit, uh, you can maybe get an hour, two hours in the water. Uh, then you can't feel your hands, your feet, or anything. You're, you're cold, even though you're, you're dry. You still get cold. It, it, the temperature of the water really takes the temperature out of your skin, out of your body. Or if you got a hot water suit, you're pumping uh, anywhere from 80 to 130 degree water down to that diver all the time, like being in a hot tub. So, and even that has limitations. We want to try to keep that diver under three to four hours because it's like, you know, I don't know if you've ever sat in a hot tub for three, four hours, but it's not, it's not pretty when you come out. And trust me, you do not want to see a diver that comes out being in water, hot water for three, four hours. So yeah, so there, I mean, there's that type of equipment. We work with uh, pneumatic equipment, air equipment, and hydraulic equipment underwater. Some of our divers are welders and do underwater cutting, which is all done with electricity, believe it or not. So uh, put that those two things in your head and figure out how that works is. Uh, will uh, blow your mind because it's something we're taught never to put electricity in water, but yet divers are underwater welding with electricity. We're trained in, and we're, they're all trained as uh, first responders. They all go through an annual physical every year. They all go through uh, four years of uh, basic training again every four years, unlike a commercial diver where they, they go for three to six, eight months, once and done, they're done. A, a core diver recertifies every four years, so that, that's uh, again some some of the type of training and, and how we how we value our safety of our divers. Yeah, obviously safety is a huge challenge, right? Making sure everybody is safe, um, but it sounds like you guys do a really good job of mitigating that. You know, are there other challenges you face doing your job um, that if you were a boss for a day? that you would work to um, eliminate that challenge. So Al, we'll go to you. Uh, oh yeah, sure, I got lots of challenges. Uh, and I am, uh, I do work in that role as a supervisor or boss for our divers, but uh, one of my main things is, you know, worry about getting them in the water and not getting hurt, putting them in a position where they're in harm's way. You know, our, our priority is the safety of that diver first. So if we, if we don't think we can do it safely, we don't do it. Uh, another another issue I have, being a proponent of the classes and stuff like that, I hear everybody talk about communication and, and trying to get the word out, stuff like that, and, and there's been times where they haven't, there's, there's things they, that they didn't know about. 
So one of my goals was to try to keep reaching out to these other districts and dive coordinators, letting them know what's going on uh, the best I can anyway, keeping them informed and stuff like that. So I, I, get, I get a lot of feedback and uh, a lot of uh, communication with uh, lots of districts and all the DDCs and stuff, which is good. Probably have, too, is the challenge is recruiting new divers. Um, we've got an aging infrastructure. 30 years ago, 20 or 30 years ago, we were diving with a five or 10-man team. We were probably getting maybe 30 dives total a year. That's for the whole team. That's not very many dives. Now we're, now we're averaging probably close to three to 400 dives per year. So recruitment, getting new divers in there, not trying to wear out the divers we have is a, is a huge challenge because we're all collateral duty people, so that means bringing them, taking them away from their jobs for sometimes more than 100 days at a time total uh, and maybe more. So that, that's, a, that's a, a huge challenge trying to mitigate that and, and communicate with supervisors and trying to get their mission done as well as ours. Uh, trying to keep supervisors on board with divers, knowing that when they, when they start into a program, there is a commitment. It is a, it is a collateral duty, but there is a commitment to stay certified in that job, and there's things that they have to do. They've got to perform so many dives a year. They've got to go to training every four years. They've got to be trained in CPR first aid 02. So there's a, there's a huge commitment that they have to agree with before they decide to let that guy be a diver and understand that we might not always get him, but there's going to be a challenge for them that we're going to have to have him at some point so he can get this stuff done and be state proficient at his job. So yeah, I mean, we're, we're also uh, going into the an age now where we're doing a lot of ROV work on the, for underwater robotics, basically, or uh, remote uh, operating vehicles underwater. So we're, we're uh, a lot of districts are stepping into that role too. So we use that as another tool to not not prevent diving, but maybe to enhance diving to make sure it's saved. I, I would rather lose a $300,000 ROV to an issue under a dam or something like that where it gets swept away and destroyed and then put a diver in that position. So, so that's something that's uh, getting really big in the districts right now as well. So yeah, there's, there's lots of challenges, a lot of, a lot of challenges to get everybody on board and, and uh, get to work and working together. Yeah, that, that's really exciting and, and a lot going on there. I, I never thought there'd be a career in the Corps where you could, you know, I guess sit in a hot tub underwater and play with electricity all at the same time. So. I, that kind of blew my mind, but it really interesting too. You mentioned you have a challenge with recruiting, and so this this is a job that's kind of added on to the normal day job. If our listeners are interested in joining the dive team, um, what should they do? Well, for one thing, it, not everybody can be a diver. It it really takes a unique person. Uh, you think about the environment you're going into. It's a hazardous environment. Uh, it's probably one, in my opinion, probably the most hazardous job we have in the Corps is diving. So you're putting your body under under pressures and stuff like that, that and you're putting yourself in, in situations where you, if, you, if you're if you claustrophobic and you can't see things, you go in a closet, you can't see it, you probably don't want to go in the water. If you're doing it for the money, uh, divers do make a little extra money to be a diver, not a lot, but they do make a little bit. But if you're in it for the money, don't be a diver. Every diver I talk to in the Corps does their job because they love to do it. They they don't do it for the money. They do it because they, they've got a, a passion for their job. They want to put their stamp on something, you know, say, hey, I, you know, every, every person in their career, when we get 40 years in, we'd like to say, hey, I worked on that on that hydro plant over there when it was first built. That's what these, that's what these guys see. They're seeing, they're seeing a challenge there that they can 
step up their career, do things that nobody else does, and go to places that nobody's probably seen for years. But for advice, for a diver, a person wanting to be in the program, don't do it for the money. Do it because you love to do the job and, and that you like the job. That's, that's, that's probably the best advice that I, that I have for, uh, for anybody. No, that's good. It sounds like there, there's some challenges there, but also some, a lot of rewards potentially based on what you said. Al, um, what do you see as the most rewarding part of being a diver? So I think our divers are, are really rewarded exactly as Bill stated uh, because of the work involved and things like that. I, I would also add that one of the most important things that you need in a diver is a team player. If, they're, if they can't work with that dive team, then that's a problem because essentially you're putting that other person's life in your hands because they're, they they're going to take care of your life support equipment while you're underwater and things like that. So you need to have that good teamwork and you get, need to have people you can trust. So that's really, really important as well. But it's rewarding seeing all the different things that these guys do across the world particularly within the states and at our civil works projects. Uh, it's just tremendous seeing what they do and what they can do. And if you look at some of the way things are being built, whether it be a lock or dam, and you imagine that a diver has been involved in that and moving these huge pieces of equipment and things like that uh, and structures, that's, that's pretty amazing. You know, I, if I could, I could add some of that. One thing I did I didn't mention, and I don't want to sway people one way or another to be a diver, but our training now is done in, in Houston at the Neutral Buoyancy Lab for NASA. And if anybody has dove in a swimming pool with the astronauts, it is cool. You're within feet of the, the most current astronauts that are studying that are working on the space station every day. It, it never gets old. I've been down there many times, and diving with the astronauts is, is really a fun thing to do. That is awesome. Uh, yeah, I can't say enough about the dive team. I think it's incredible work that you guys do. Before we end our conversation today, I do have to know, you know, both of you, what's the craziest thing that you've seen while doing doing a job? And so we'll start with you, Bill. Well, I can't. I, I probably won't go into the, all the crazy things I've seen because I've seen a lot of crazy things. But I will say probably the, the, the craziest thing that I see is the people I work with. So you got to think about this a little bit. You've got to be a little crazy to get in the water and dive into the unknown because every time you go underneath that water, you do not know what you're going to run into. You don't know if that what you run into is going to bite you back or, or if you're going to get lost. If, you, if you've ever been lost in the dark when you can't see nothing, it's a different feeling. So, yeah, it's, it's the people we work with. They're, they're crazy, highly motivated. Some of the, I would trust my life with any of them. You have to. They're your team. If you have a diver that's not on board with that, he won't be on the team very long. Yeah, I would say the same thing as, as Bill Ford. Uh, I haven't gone out much with the dive teams and things like that, but I do know they're a unique set of groups, a group of, uh, of men and women uh, who are just dedicated to just doing uh, absolutely fantastic work. Again, it, it is crazy that you're going to go underwater, under a life support system, and do heavy work, be under atmospheric and environmental conditions that are hazardous. You're going to be working with cranes that have loads that are suspended, 
you're going to be working uh, with electricity underwater when you weld. Uh, and then you've got lockout, takeout, because you you got to worry about the flow of water under that lock and dam, if you will. When you think about that, that's a pretty amazing job that they do. And if you will, the other thing is, is that no matter what your education, no matter what your socioeconomic, when you're on that dive team, you're all equal, and you do you do everything you can to support each other. So that's also just a unique and wonderful thing to say. For core divers versus contractors, what people a lot of people don't realize is a contractor takes a long a contract takes a long time to set up for a dive. To our core dive team, if we have an emergency, we can be on any site within our district and even outside of our district is close enough within a couple hours, ready to dive, get them, get our locks and lamps back in, in working order, get the you know get our customer back to travel up and down the river, saving them time and money, the core time and money. It's invaluable, really. Um, to our to our contract could take up to anywhere from uh, a few days to a month to get that job done. So a core dive team has a lot of value. Well, thank you both for being here. I do have to ask before we go. So if somebody was interested in joining your team, where should they go? I'm sorry. Well, basically, uh, within within the district, first of all, I encourage every diver to talk to their supervisor first. Because if the supervisor's not on board, he's probably probably not going to be a diver. But if the supervisor says, yeah, I, I would like to see you be a diver, then I would get a hold of your uh, whoever the DDC is for that district and talk to them, and they should be able to guide you through the steps of being a diver because, well, in every case, you've got to have basic scuba before you can be a diver. Uh, we go through an 18, 6-18 month training program before we accept you into the school. It's quite a process, but uh, definitely talk to your supervisor first, find out who, who your uh, your district or division DDC is, and then I would start I would start there. All right, thank you. Well, thank you both for joining us today for this edition of Inside the Castle. We appreciate you and your insights. To our listeners, we want to hear from you and what topics are important to you and people you're interested in hearing from. Until next time, be safe, be innovative, and be revolutionary. To provide your feedback, email us at cw.infrastructure.team at usace.army.mil. Stay tuned for additional Inside the Castle podcasts as we explore life inside the core and revolutionize civil works together.